Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days he would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land he gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out to what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. 1013, which we have used this to work off of each and every week. And we'll start there again in our study this morning because we want to reiterate, if we may, for just a few minutes as to what we have already covered. So if there's those of you that have missed a session or those of you that haven't been here at all with us, that you'll know somewhat anyway what we're doing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, 
The statement here by Paul is, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So we have to understand and realize through that, as we have said, I'm sure, in the previous uh, studies, that the Lord God uh, permits you and I to go through temptation. Now, the Bible teaches us that the Lord God will tempt no man, so we're not being tempted by God. We do need to understand, uh, in some uh, extent anyway, the place of which the devil plays in the temptation and he plays a, a large part of that. Uh, you yourself will find today that you also play a large part in that, as we are going to touch that somewhat today. Uh, but you do need to know that the Lord God doesn't put any more on you than you can handle and will give you a way thereby to escape. And so you don't need to think that what you're going through in your life is something that, bless God, that is so terrible that you're, it's going to take you down and you're just not going to make it. You are going to make it. Say, I'm going to make it. Amen. And you will make it. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is just kind of like old Peter and when he got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on the circumstances when he was walking on the water, he began to sink. But Peter didn't sink, did he? Jesus reached down and, 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 and pulled him right back up. Pulled him right back up. And the Lord God is not in the business of letting his children go under. He's not in that kind of a business. Now, you need to also uh, take into account what we had discussed in the way of understanding that temptation comes to you, to you, by permission of God in order for you to be able to get things that are not right in your life right. Temptation is set to change you. Okay, that's what, that's what temptation is all about, is to change you. God wants you changed. What does he want? Why is he wanting to change you and I? Because we are to be Christ-like. And as long as there is flesh in our life, as long as our five senses are governing our life and our minds, which most generally do because they're of the soulish realm, until that changeover takes place where your spirit man once again will dominate the soul and the body, then you're going to be dominated by your five senses and your mind to the most extent. And, and the Lord God wants you to come into that place with Him. But in order for these things to happen, and that, there again, you will have to realize that we are building a, a, a block foundation, if you will. And within that foundation, of course, Jesus Christ is the head cornerstone. Uh, but with the Word, we are placing. Now, some of you will have to uh, let yourselves go back, your minds, spirits go back to a place of realizing uh, when we were teaching about uh, how to be led by the Spirit of God and how God leads by the Spirit and not your soul uh, to be able to uh, build on to what we're doing here. And I'm sure those things together will all start making a lot more sense as we go along. Now, we gave you what I have called the law for provision, and I'm going to go through that because we're going to go through this time and time again. God gives us a promise which is linked to a principle which is uh, in turn or condition, which is followed by a problem, which is the temptation, which will lead to the provision of that promise. All right? And it always works that way. There's the promise, the principle, the condi- or the condition, which uh, uh, brings us to, followed by the temptation or the problem, which will lead you to the provision. And that's the way all, of that's, all that works. Now, again, we discussed last week that you, if you're not careful you can find yourself wandering around in a spiritual wilderness all the days of your life walking on the face of this earth. And again, brothers and sisters, there's so very, 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 very many Christian people that have no idea at all and have never been taught in this type of a direction and area in the Word of God to even understand what temptation is set for. Why God even permits it. Most of us, again, in the church think that, that when temptation comes, we're either being punished and some of us uh, have been wrongly taught by God, or that we are, are bless God, is going to go through this hell because uh, it's to the glory of God. 
all right, which those 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 aren't right. Uh, uh, that's not right thinking. That's not right believing. And I've tried to teach you wrong believing and wrong thinking will get you in trouble when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it'll do it very very quickly. Now this morning we're going to go on in James one. So if you'll turn there with me, please, in James the very first chapter, the thirteenth verse. I was astounded, and probably now some 13 years or so ago, when I read this and began to understand what I was reading. James 1.13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted. With evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now that should clarify the fact, scripturally, that God does not tempt man. God does not tempt you. But I want you to listen closely to this 14th verse. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, temptation or temptation can come as pull a man's own evil thoughts and wishes. All right? And that's clearly stated here again. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, the word enticed means trapped. When he's drawn away by his own lusts. Now, let's stop for just a minute and identify identify what those things can be. We have tried to teach you that you are a product of your thoughts. You are a product of your home. You are a product of the words that come out of your mouth. You will never be any better in society, in church, in your walk with Jesus Christ than you think that you are and that that which you are speaking that you are and that which you do will make you that, all right? Uh, which uh, comes down to uh, the realization of the fact that you can control your destiny. And you absolutely, God intends for you to do it. He gave you a free will in which you are to use to do it with, absolutely. Not to let the, anything, uh, no one outside force, outside person, be able to alter your will. You should be able to do that, all right? So, you need to understand then that when you are tempted, every man is tempted when he is drawn away. When he is drawn away. Do you, you, you remember, uh, well, let's don't remember. Let's, let's look in, in Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. You can keep your finger there if you haven't already lost that place. In James. Now, we use this a lot. There's other places that we can also use, but first verse says, And it shall come to pass that thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day. Now, if you're into that, if you're into that, you will not be enticed. You will not be trapped. You will not be drawn away of your own lusts. All right? Now, Paul spoke of the renewing of the mind. And it's so very, very important for you to understand. Now, I'm always saying this. When you are caught up with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have got your mind singularly toward Him, your mind isn't thinking about garbage, is it? It's not thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow to make a buck. What, I've done, what I should have done yesterday to have saved a buck. What I, what I should do, well, maybe I should do this, and maybe I should do that. And then, of course, if you've got some, some dire wool problems of, of fleshly lust in your heart of thinking about uh, sister this or brother this or brother that or sister that or whatever, uh, you will not get caught up into that if your mind is stayed upon the Lord. All right? And that's exactly, and now I want you to go back after, after reading the 28th uh, verse, uh, chapter in the first verse or part of it anyway, then, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. So if your mind is stayed upon the Lord, you're not going to be drawn away. You're not going to be drawn away. If, in fact, you are diligently seeking the Lord God, to observing and doing all that is within His Word, I've got news for you. You will not. You will not be drawn away. This is one way. This is one way for you to understand. Now, you've got to also know that this is called growth. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that overnight. You're not going to get to the place overnight, to the place where you can 
totally control, totally control through uh, seeking the Lord God, all your thoughts, and I get all this thing put together where you're doing all this. That's the reason I keep saying your walk with Jesus Christ is a day-by-day walk. It is not something that automatically... See, some of us thought when we received Jesus in our hearts, filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues, that was the end of the matter. But, honey, that wasn't the end of the matter. That was the beginning of the matter. All right? That was the beginning of the matter. That was the beginning of your race that is set before you, as Paul talked about, for you to run. And too many of us get to thinking, well, you know, that's it, and that's all there is to it, and I've got it made, and everything's working out, and everything's going to be fine. But then when you begin to study and begin to understand that your growth and that growth pattern is set by God, that you don't automatically grow up the day that you receive Jesus Christ into your heart in the Word. Of course, I've gone through time and time and time uh, uh, saying I have, uh, as an evangelist, have had the opportunity to be in a lot of churches through the years, and, and um, I'm always nosy in the Spirit to see if the Lord will let me real, uh, realize in the Spirit realm as to uh, exactly how many and the saints that we have there, they're actually growing in the Word, or how many of them there just think they're growing up in the Word? And I'm going to tell you, as of the date, today's date, most of them are that they think that they grew up in the Word only because they had been sitting in most cases under ministry that was teaching them so shallow that they couldn't grow up in the Word of God. So um, that growth and that pattern is, is slow, it's very ardent, but it's a day at a time. And, and again, one of the bigger problems in the charismatic movement is that we uh, save, fill with the Holy Ghost, all of our problems are over. And then six, eight months goes down the line, maybe a year goes by, maybe two years go by, and we look back and we got more hell going on in our lives than we had before. We become discouraged, and then the next thing you see, we, you see them falling away, uh, falling away from and denying the power thereof if they're not very, very careful. And the reason that happens again, it's the lack of knowledge. The lack of knowledge. Knowledge hasn't been given to them where they can grow thereby, and that knowledge is very, very important because, as I told you, you don't grow up in the Word of God just by, by haphazard chance. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because you're filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't happen because you receive Jesus Christ in your heart. It happens because you have become diligently involved in the Word of God on a daily basis. And, and you know, I've had to tell a lot of people to get around a preacher like me, you need to sit back and you need to relax and you need to enjoy Jesus Christ for about three, four, five years. Grow up in the Word and enjoy every bit of it. Lean on every bit of this anointing you can lean on for as long as you can lean on it. Because, honey, one of these days, you ain't going to be able to lean on it. One of these days, you're going to find out that God's going to let you. He's going to let you believe for yourself for this stuff. But as long as this anointing that God's put in my life, which is God, will work for you, let it work. Because there's going to be a time that's going to be required of you. See? Now you say, oh, when's that going to happen? Not till you're ready. Not till you're ready. It may be two years. It may be a year. It may be six months. It may be two years. It may be the rest of some of your life. You know, I don't know. But we're going to believe God. A church like this will grow you up. That's the reason we keep saying we'll, 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 we can, we can uh, tell you for a certain fact that a church like this is going to teach you enough of the Word of God that you're not going to uh, sit around daydreaming about it. You're going to be able to grow up. Now, why are you going to grow up? Because you're going to have to go through the going throughs, as they say. But you need to understand why you're going through it, just like we're teaching what we're teaching here now in this series. You need to know the whole purpose behind temptation. The whole purpose behind it is for you to grow up in Jesus Christ, to become mature in the Word of God. Now let's go to Second Chronicles, please, the 32nd, the 32nd chapter. Second Chronicles 32. And we're going to find here 32:31. Second Chronicles 32. 31. Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Oh, I could preach two sermons on this, and the Lord God knows that I'm not going to. God left him. You need to underline God left him. Now, now, I want to use this and show you the significance in this passage. Any time that this guy standing before you this morning has ever gone through a temptation, and I will assume through talking to the many people that I have talked to through the years that you also will fall into this category that I'm about to mention. That when you're going through temptation, 
God seems to be nowhere around. Amen? You pray, God, remove this temptation. That's usually what most of us pray. Remove this temptation because we don't, we're not educated enough in the Word to know any better. And God doesn't hear us. I used to mention I always thought the Lord God took a vacation and went to the Bahamas every time I got in a bind. Because I just, it just didn't seem like, it didn't seem like that, 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 that He was there. He didn't, and of course we know all along that He's here on the inside of us. But I want, I want to show you why this morning, why it's so important that that happens to us. Now again, God left Him to try Him, to tempt Him, that He might know all that was in His heart. Do you realize that when you go through temptation... Your mouth will run off with itself. And, and, of course, the Bible teaches us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Huh? And you'll find out real quick what you're made out of when you get in a bind or you get in, in the midst of a temptation. Because why? Now, the Lord doesn't leave you, not in the, not in the sense of leaving you, your being, all right? No, it, He leaves you in the sense of your, uh, His awareness in you or His presence in you is not uh, being uh, identified with the Holy Ghost goosebumps as we most of us uh, can identify with, with that uplifting whatever it is, or with seemingly hearing hearing His voice. Now let me go back and uh, just for a second that we might all understand. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. All right. Now if the just is going to live by faith, then you have to understand them when you're going through temptation when you're going through what I want to call the going-throughs, then, my brothers and sisters, uh, it would not be faith if God was to appear to you in the midst of your time of trial or temptation and give you a, a vision or give you a dream or come forth and audibly speak to you. That would violate the Word of God. See, most people, most Christians do not understand that. God cannot violate His Word. God does not violate His Word. God has set the whole uh, kingdom up in accordance to His Word, and His Word will not and cannot lie, and He won't violate that. Absolutely won't. So for those people that are being led, it's not scriptural to be led by visions or dreams. I'm not saying people don't have visions and dreams and visitations, because they do. And I'm not sure how much we have studied or talked about it here in this church, but we will one day get into a study about all that. But uh, the fact of the matter is, when you are in the time of your t- testing or temptation or trial, one and the same, you're going to have to do it like all the rest of it do it. Of us do it. You're going to have to do it by faith. By faith, you're going to have to do it. Now, uh, here we're finding out that God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. And believe you me, when we go through uh, a temptation, the Lord God is going to know everything, not that he doesn't anyway. But he's going to hear it come out of your mouth, everything that's in your heart. Everything that's in your spirit is going to, is going to come rolling out sooner or later and, and going to know it. Now, let's, uh, let's talk, let's talk uh, just for a second about the Lord God. Why would he leave us in a time of, uh, of uh, temptation? And again, I don't want you to misinterpret the word leave us. He, does, he leaves us in the sense of, of, of his, uh, his presence. He's there, but he's just kind of like a, you shut the faucet off, if you will, okay? Why does he do that? As I said earlier, God will not violate his word, right? Now, we have studied here in this church about how the Lord God has given to us a free will, all right? That we are to choose. We are to choose. In fact, he said, choose, you can choose life or you can choose death, but you have that choice. Adam had the choice. Adam didn't have to partake of that tree in the midst of the garden. He did. He had a choice. We have choices. For me to violate the choice of you coming to this church or not coming to this church is wrong. For you to violate the choice of, 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 of someone else uh, uh, walk with Jesus Christ to tell them how that they should do it is wrong. Why? Because the Lord God gave us free wills. We are free will agents, if you will. Uh, given again by God. God will not violate that within our own lives. And that's the reason that when you're going through that temptation, 
that the Lord God is not going to violate His Word in order to bring you out of that temptation. He's going to let you do exactly what's in your heart to do. He is not going to dominate that one way or the other. And that's very, very, very important for us to know and to understand that He will not dominate that one way or the other. Why? Because as we spoke last week, this, this whole thing that we're going through to grow up in the Word of God, to grow up with Jesus, through, and the temptation is a large part of that thing, is to be able to understand that, that if you can't come through that and make the right decisions according to the Word of God, then as I said last week as we studied about the wilderness trip that the children of Israel had to go through, you'll just make another trip around the wilderness, your own spiritual wilderness. That's the reason some of us have found that the same things that are in, was in our lives five years ago, still there today, is because we never came out of that temptation. We're still within that spiritual wilderness wandering around, and the reason that we are is because uh, most of us never had the knowledge of God's Word in order to come out of that. I, I have been uh, uh, amazed from time to time of getting around people that have the same things going on in their lives. Uh, I'm talking about people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost 15, 25 years, and they're going through the same thing. They were never able to come over that, come through that. And, and like I told them, and like I've told you, uh, you can go through it for the rest of the days that you walk the face of this earth until you stand before Jesus Christ if you decide that's what you want to do. Again, unfortunately, because of the lack of knowledge, a lot of people don't know how to come out of those spiritual wilderness places. That's what we're teaching you today. Let's look now in John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter. John 14. John 14, 30. Now, hereafter I will not talk much with you. Now, this is Jesus speaking. For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. The prince of this world is Satan. Uh, hath nothing in me simply means has no interest in me. All right? Uh, there was nothing in Christ there was nothing in Christ in the way of what we read again. Let's go back over here in, in uh, James. I guess I should have told you we're still not done with James. Uh, go back over in the book of James, the first chapter. The reason being that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, one the same, had no interest in him was because, but, but every man is tempted. Christ was tempted. We know that. Amen? But when he is drawn away of his own lust and, in, and, and, and enticed or trapped. Now, let's look for just a second. Let's look at just a second now at the temptation that we're showing. And, and there's more than one with Christ. But the one that we were showing after he fasted the 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible said, and he was hungry. He was hungry. And uh, the devil came and tempted him. All right. Now, he could have been drawn away with his own lust for food. Okay? He could have easily done that. And when the devil said, if you be the Son of God, uh, how about you just turning those stones to bread? And Jesus Christ could have turned those stones to bread. You understand what I'm saying? He could have been trapped. He could have been trapped. But instead he said, no, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, what did he do? He did, as I, earlier, as I, we spoke and touched on, he brought forth the Word of God. He would, not let, he would not let that enticement, that entrapment come because he knew about it. He was educated about it, in other words. He knew in the Spirit exactly how he had to handle that situation or he too would have fallen into that trap and would have been entrapped. But instead, he would not let that happen. So instead of letting his mind, and let, instead of letting his mind be drawn away, he just went right back at the devil with the word of God. Now he did that a number of times, and then the Bible says, "And the devil left him forever." No, it says, "For a season the devil left him." For a season the devil left him. For a season the devil left him. See, people, some people get to thinking that, that Jesus, uh, because of him being the Son of God, is. Well, you know, I mean, after all, he was going to come through there. No, the Bible says he was tempted in all ways, just as you and I are tempted. Yet he overcame. He sinned not, 
neither with his body or with his mind. Neither with his body or with his mind. He sinned not. Uh, again, uh, the, the grand, uh, I guess, explanation that Christ gave of all this to us was just simply to make sure that we use the Word of God and not our own opinions, not our own opinions, and keep feeding upon the Word. Keep feeding upon the Word of God. Let's go now uh, into Romans, uh, the, the, let's see, the Romans, the fifth chapter. Romans 5. And we're going to do here somewhat of studying Romans for a few minutes anyway. 5.17. 5.17 of Romans. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Of course, the first one was Adam. Jesus has been called the, the second Adam that was, it came and gave us life and gave it to us more abundantly. But what we're being told here, we are to reign over all our circumstances. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace uh, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, shall reign in life in one, or by one, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ. We are to reign over all our circumstances, not just a few of them. Now, I know in my walk with Jesus in the, in the early baby stage of that uh, uh, walk, I know that I had a uh, wrong opinion about, about all of it. I thought that, uh, you know, at the end of the week, uh, if I was ahead of the devil, you know, if my account was 22 and the devil only... 21, I had beat the devil. And what it took me a, a long time to understand was that Jesus came and did what he did and destroyed and destroyed the works of the devil and gave us the entirety of his kingdom right here on the face of this earth. That then you and I are to be able to uh, be more than overcomers because of what he came and what he did for us. Our righteousness is in him. All right? Uh, and because he's done that, we're not set up to, to even for the devil to have count number 21 and you 22. You should have, in that case, all 43, all right? That you are, you are the winner. You're the winner. And if you'll fix yourself and get your mind set toward knowing that you don't win every other battle with the devil, that the Lord God set it up, that you are to reign over every circumstance, all your circumstances, all your circumstances. Again, that's not going to just happen to you overnight. It's unfortunate that it doesn't, but it won't. Uh, but you'll find in time that it will. Now look in Romans 6 and the very first verse. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now that's a question. God forbid. For shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead of the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in likeness of his death, we shall, by also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And some of us need to underline that. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the, in the lust thereof. And you need to underline that. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Okay? The weapons, the word instruments is... Uh, is, means weapons uh, unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin 
shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now, you need to underline, for sin shall not have dominion over you. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. That means, <laughs> a lot of us charismatics need to understand that, don't we? What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid, that's 15. Know ye, 16, not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or to obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that from a doctrine, form of doctrine, I'm sorry, which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak as ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what we need to understand through these first 23 verses, and if you're taking notes, you can just head this as number one, we need to recognize and admit our own failures. You know, there's a lot of people that never see their, their failures. Now, there's a lot of people that see mine, okay? And, the, and there's a lot of people that see others but never see their own. As I think we have tried desperately to teach you here in this church, the prerequisite of growing up in the Word of God is being able to look into that spiritual mirror and judge yourself. See yourself as you really are, not as what you think that you are with Jesus Christ, but exactly where you're walking. You've got to get honest with yourself first. You've got to be honest. If this thing either works in your life or it doesn't work in your life. The Word of God is either working full-time in your life or it's not working full-time in your life. You're either being blessed by God or you're not being blessed by God. And you have to be the one to be honest enough to look at yourself and make that evaluation. That can't be done by anybody else because you have to be able to come to grips with that in order for you to be able to grow. Second thing is resist the pull of the wrong desires. You have to learn to resist the pull of wrong desires. The, the, the devil will see to it all kind of desires come in your life. Uh, priorities. The human species of which we are has a terrible, terrible, terrible time of being able to put priorities in the right places, in the right orders. The right places, the right orders. I'll never forget one time I had a job and I was, I was working and, in a bakery. And I was, I was running the bakery. I wasn't doing any of the bakery. Bacon, my place was to do the orders and, and to see to it it was all put in the freezer and, and, to, and to make sure that I, the paychecks were written. I was a manager. I didn't know, and really the manager was supposed to know how to do it all, but they lost the guy that was uh, the head of the department. He quit, so they had no one else, so they decided to hire me and try to teach me, which uh, if they had just known to talk to Kay, they'd have found out that I wasn't going to do too well because I'd never, I don't suppose I'd ever cooked anything even on the stove all my life. Uh, at that point in time, let alone in the oven. And, and, but I found out something about all of it. You had to get it all in the light, right order. And one day I came in, and I came in at about 7 o'clock in the morning, and I got there, and I walked up to the display case, and there wasn't any rolls, and there wasn't any donuts, and, and there wasn't any coffee cakes. And, and, and I walked back behind the counter, and I said, Well, girls, I said, where's all the, the pastry at? Well... They kind of had problems, and they didn't get started right on time that morning. And, and, and guess what happened? Everybody come in to buy, they just walked right on around the bunny bed, bread spot and bought, you know, package that bunny bread stuff or whatever it was, and out the door they went. And there we had, at about 11 o'clock in the morning, the, the cases were full of the morning product. Well, you can imagine nobody was going to buy it, so everybody, all the employees in the store ended up taking home, uh, home uh, uh, decently fresh uh, baked goods that day. Now, what the priority was, come to find out, that we were back in the back decorating a cake. Four ladies were decorating a cake. And I said, well, girls, the priority is to fill the case in the morning. That was the, that was the number one priority. But uh, just using that as an instance, 
usually our walk with Jesus Christ is contingent upon being able to get the priorities and getting them in the right places and staying with those priorities, staying with that priority, staying with the priority, not flip-flopping around, flip-flopping around, trying to, well, you know, I think I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. The Lord God is looking for solid people that will get their priorities in place and keep them there. And keep them there. I think that's as much. I think that's as much a plus in our growth and our walk with Jesus Christ at certain places, anyway, in that walk as anything else. It just flat saying, "This is what I know I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to do it on time, and I'm going to do it every time, and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. Why? Because the Lord God blesses faithfulness. God blesses your faithfulness." And you can't have faithfulness in anything that you do until you can sit down and get a list of priorities and stick to them. People's priorities change like the weather do every once in a while. You know, and I've watched that through the years, and it's really something to watch. You know, people come and say, Now, Brother Deckard, the Lord God told me that I'm to do this. And I just love it when they come and say, God told them to do it. See, I just, and I'm sitting there, and I try not to grin. Because I'm hoping that they're telling me that, you know, they're going to stick with it. But they'll, and then I'll, they'll tell me, one man come to me one time and said, The Lord God told me over here in Illinois that I was supposed to mow the yard every week. I said, now, now let me understand this. I always do this, so if you ever come to me, you'll hear me say, Now, I said, let me understand this so I can get this right. I don't want to mis- misinterpret this to, to, to the elders or anybody. The Lord God told you that to mow the grass at this church... Every time it needs to be mowed. Now, I said, do you realize what you're saying? Yeah, God told me to mow the grass. I said, that doesn't mean just once this week and once next month. It means probably every week. Yeah, yeah. I said, now, you, that's what God's told you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, the next thing I want to be sure that you understand is, then it's almost like till death do you part. Because that doesn't mean just for this summer. Now it got quiet, didn't it? Huh? And his mouth falls open. He said, well now, brother, he said, now you, I don't know about next summer. He said, I might not even be in this church next summer. I said, well then, if you weren't going to be in this church next summer, the Lord God isn't telling you to do it this summer. See, the Lord God wants priorities priorities. See, that, that's where we get, and that's the reason I jokingly keep using the, the, the terminology instead of charismatics, cruismatics. Because we just keep cruising. We just keep a cruising. We can't, we cruise to this church, we cruise to that church, and then we get over there and we, we cruise somewhere else because the preacher didn't look right at them or shake their hand or hug their neck right or, or, or this wasn't right or they were looking for something to be wrong and they finally found it. Well, the Lord God cannot. Now, I'm, uh, let me look back. Oh, hopefully it's yourselves. But we all know somebody, and I can say this because I was a cruise-matic. I cruised everywhere. Hmm? And my life stayed a mess. I finally heard a preacher say, if, all you, if you can't find a church and settle down and get in it, you'll never, you'll never grow up in Jesus Christ. And I looked at that guy and I punched old can. I said, well, he don't know nothing. I said, he's bound up. He's bound up with the tradition of religion. Huh? What was it? Well, that's the easy way to do it, the way I did it. I mean, anybody, anybody can love to do what I was doing. I mean, that way you're not obligated to nothing. If you just keep going to one church, next church, next church, next church, next church, you're not, you're not, you never get obligated. And not only you never get obligated, you never get any priorities. And because you never get any priorities put in place where they need to be, you never become faithful to anything or anybody. And then all of a sudden, it comes time to you think that you're supposed to do something for God, and it don't work out. I got news for you. The day will come. You'll stand before God. You'll find out a lot of what I'm teaching here today is exactly why it didn't work out. Because there are certain, certain things that you've got to certain, certainly do in order to move yourselves into other places or higher places with God in, in order to move on in with God into those depths. Has to be done. Has to be done. Now, you have to resist the pull of the wrong desire. You have to learn to do that. You've got to turn yourself over to God to be used for His purpose and not yours. See, everybody wants to be, everybody wants to be. One time I did a, I was doing a Bible study. I was, I was actually evangelizing this church and I was having a, I shouldn't say a Bible study. I was teaching on, uh, at 10 o'clock in the mornings. 
And uh, during those morning services, we had mostly the men that worked nights that couldn't come to the night services were there. And then the gals that weren't working, they were there. And uh, I was teaching, and we were talking about the fivefold ministry. Uh, first the apostles and the prophets and the, the pastors, I mean the, uh, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. And we were talking about those. And so um, I asked uh, everybody uh, to write down on a piece of paper, if they were called into an office, just which office would you want to be called into? Well, everybody there either had apostle or prophet, except one, and it was a little old lady about 75 years old, and she put pastor. And I was so interested in, in that, uh, and I asked them to sign their names to it. I told them I'd not reveal that to the pastor of the church, that I was just curious. And, and so I went to this little sister, and I began to ask her about, about that, and she said, well, she said, Brother Deckard, she said, it's like this. Uh, I'm certain that the Lord God... Uh, could use somebody with a, a compassionate heart to be able to pastor people. She said, everybody wants to be apostles and prophets. And I said, yeah, that's what everybody else signed up to be. See, I said signed up to be, but I mean, that's uh, jokingly so. But I said that, uh, and she said, but she said, I, I, th- I think that maybe I have grown past that. She said, there was a time, Brother Deckard, when I would have written down apostle or prophet myself. But she said, I believe at this age, uh, she said, I believe I've gained enough wisdom in my walk with Jesus Christ to understand. And I said, yes, sister, I believe that you have. But you see there again, we have to be used for his purpose and not our purpose. We all are not going to be apostles and prophets and on down the line. We're not all going to be called to the fivefold ministry. But I will guarantee you this, as God is my witness, God does not, God does not promote And he does not bless offices. He blesses and promotes faithfulness. And that's what the whole thing's after. Uh, I'll stand here before you this morning and and make a a bold enough statement that the fivefold ministry, as far as I'm concerned, is a pain in the neck. Period. Uh, I could just as easily be not be called into it uh, if I had anything to do about it. Because I don't see anything glorious about it after all these years. I sure don't see anything uh, uh, with it that ever seems to uh, negate to me that it's going to get any different than it is now. And, uh, of course, uh, most of us, uh, we have these uh, vain uh, imaginations about ministry and about how wonderful it is and all this and all that. But uh, really, it's a kick upside the head about 99% of the time. Because, why, you're an open book and you're being judged by everything and everybody that comes down the pike. Some like you, some don't like you. And like I said, then you get the bunch of just come in and go out, and they just come to say, I've had people come and sit down and service with me, and I'll say, read a scripture and make a comment and watch them get up and leave. Because they're looking for me to say something that they didn't agree with, and boy, they're gone just like that. And, uh, and again, that's not what God's after. Um, that's what I'm teaching so um, vividly over in Illinois right now is, uh, is love. Um, God wants us to love each other. God expects us to love each other. And without love, your growth of Jesus Christ is zero. Without you loving me and me loving you, we're babies in Jesus Christ. And there's no way scripturally you can get around that. There's no way you can get around it. There's no way you can get around that. You can think that you're growing. You can think that you're absolutely in a high seat or wherever you want to call that with the Lord God. You're not anyway. But uh, if you can't love, you're a baby. You just you just haven't got out of diapers yet. Just you're not convinced of that because you're growing up physically and you think the rest of it, uh, you know, is going to be different. Let's get in Romans 8. Romans 8. I want to read 1 through 5 here. Romans 8. Therefore, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now, you understand something about that. We have been big about saying there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ, and that's true. But there's something you need to know, desperately know about that. There's no condemnation for those who walk after the Spirit. Now, you're going to walk after the flesh, you're going to find a lot of condemnation going to happen. All right? We're not talking about your flesh. We're not talking about being led by the flesh. We're talking about being led and walking by the Spirit, by your Spirit. Now, it goes on to say in the second verse, For the law of the Spirit of, uh, of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit, capital S, of life 
in Christ Jesus that made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, the fourth verse, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, there again, uh, Paul goes on to make the statement again, trying desperately to get across the church there in Rome, that you're walking after, uh, you've got to walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, you need to understand we can live without condemnation. Uh, we can be free from a vicious uh, circle of sin and death. And we can be able to obey God's law. Those three things, and I'm going to read those again. We can live without condemnation. We can be free from the uh, vicious circle of sin and death. And we can have are able to, uh, we can be able, I'm sorry, to obey God's law. How can we do that? If we will learn to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now, that's what we're trying to do uh, here in this church is teach people uh, in the Word of, by the Word of God how that you can grow up in the Word of God and be led by the Spirit of God and not by your flesh, thinking you're being led by the Spirit of God. Your flesh has nothing to do with your spirit. Nothing whatsoever to do with your spirit. And as you've heard me say so many, many times, that God does lead the spirit, not your soulish realm, not your five senses, not your mind. Those are in enmity with God. They're battle. Your mind, your five senses, is always going to battle with your spirit. That's a reason, that's a reason that, that Paul made the statement about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. Uh, call, was able to call those things which be not as though they are. That's what, uh, that's what, when you can walk by the Spirit, you can do that. As long as you're going to walk and be led by your flesh, your soulish realm, which is your mind, and within that your five senses, you're never going to be able to call those things which be not as though they are. Never are you going to be able to do that. Now that battle, that battle is, is contingent upon how much of the Word of God that you have let your mind be renewed by and the transferal of that Word from your mind, which is part of that soulish realm, into your spirit man. Into your spirit man. That's the reason you don't need to be too, uh, too caught up or too concerned with how much of the Word of God that you can memorize. All right? You will memorize what God wants you to have memorized, and He will can bring to your remembrance... You know, you don't have to sit down and write it all out. God, if you're being led by the Spirit, God will bring to your remembrance what you need to know when you need to know it. You don't need to... See, you don't... Too many of us, again, because the only way that we have had to depend upon has been the soulish realm. That's all that we've had to depend upon for years. And then all of a sudden we, get our, we begin to find out enough in-depth teaching starts coming forth from the pulpit that we begin to find out that we can be led by something besides our minds and our five senses. We actually can be led by our spirits. We can do that. But you can't just say, yes, I'm going to be led by my spirit, and I've read the right book, and I've listened to the right tape, and now I am that. You can't, that well, that's not the way it works. It comes through what? Study of the Word of God, the renewing of your mind, and understanding that this thing is going to take a day at a time. There isn't going to be any mother may I big leaps that's going to happen to you in the Spirit. It's going to come a day after day after day after day after day after day diligently seeking God. Diligently seeking God. And those are the ones, those are the ones that are going to get it accomplished, that are going to keep on a keeping on throughout the time of temptation right on through all the good and the bad and everything that's ugly. They're just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. Let's look at the sixth verse. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, we can have life and, and, and soul kind of peace, all right? A soulish realm kind of peace, um, uh, which means quietness in the midst of our turbulent world is what it means. 
It is meant to be ours in Christ. It is ours in Christ. And you can have that. You can walk in that. You can live in that. For we are carnally minded, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. So I hope that what we're doing here uh, this morning, we're placing into your minds and especially into your spirit man, uh, the fact of the matter is that you are going to have to have the transferal that we talked about of the Word of God to get into your spirit man from your minds in order for you to accomplish and to have this. Now, people that don't have this to have peace, that's a lot of what they're lacking. Not all, but there's a lot of what they lack is because there's not been any of that. Some of the biggest messes that I have been involved in when it comes to people and them being sadly disappointed or unhappy with their Holy Ghost walk with Jesus Christ has totally been due to people that are trying to do things through their mind that has to be done by the Spirit. Now, let me, let me for just a minute try, and this will be vainly done, I assure you, to explain to you the difference between your mind and the Spirit of God. Because I, there's no way to explain that. There's no words in the English language to, to, to identify this. So we'll just have to try to do the best we can in relation to that which we know. Uh, when I first uh, started my walk with Jesus Christ, I was prophesied over by numbers of people and numbers of churches that I've, whom I've seen no more since, uh, that I didn't know in the beginning, uh, about the fact that these nine gifts of the Spirit would be in operation in my ministry, which is talked about in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Now, that excited me. I, you know, I was a baby in Jesus Christ, and I mean a total baby. And it excited me to think, oh, look what God's going to do through me. And uh, I got on one of those air Holy Ghost bubbles that, that finally the Lord popped uh, after about, about six, eight months uh, for me. But I uh, remember trying to uh, understand, and uh, it always amazed me, uh, the gift discerning of spirits. We call that discernment, but it's actually the discerning of spirits. And uh, I began to uh, be very interested in how that worked because it, it antagonized me. And so I would sit in service, and I would try to discern. And I'd look at sister such and such. And I would think. I would think so hard. I, in fact, I'd think so hard at times I need to go have prayer for a headache. See, I would think that hard. And, and, and see, I, I didn't know how it worked. Like some of you here today don't know how it worked or how it works. But yet I had to use the only means in which I had to work it because I heard all those people say, yes, of a truth, you're going to work in those gifts. You're going to work in the gifts. So I had to start practicing, and I was practicing. And boy, did I have a mess. I had a terrible mess. I told you about the lady. I went up and told her that the Lord God had revealed to me that she, had a, uh, she needed to be delivered from depression, and she rebuked me right on the spot. She said, I've never been depressed. And she said, how dare you try to put a curse on me, Brother Deckard? She said, I love you, but I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I said, oh, scratched my head and went the other way. See? And, and that's what's going on in the, in the full gospel realm right now. We got a lot of well. I mean, I meant well by that. Don't don't. I, I mean, oh yeah. I, there was a lot of things behind that. Uh, the biggest thing behind it was pride of saying, "Oh, look what God's." To, and I want to be sure you know that God give that to me for you. One of those things. And God can't use pride. Pride cometh before the fall, and that's what happens to so much ministry. So many people's walk. They get they get wrapped up in pride. Pride. God don't use pride. God uses yielded vessels. Is what God uses that are obedient, broken and contrite spirit is what God uses. Well, so after that embarrassment, that quieted me down quite a bit, which you can see why it probably would. And uh, months went by, uh, literally months, uh, probably 18 to be exact, if I'm, uh, we've got to be within one or two there using that number. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in service, and all of a sudden, I begin to discern spiritually. Spiritually now, not with my mind, spiritually. And all of a sudden I knew. 
All of a sudden, I knew. I didn't know how I knew, but I just knew. And I thought, now, wait a minute, that can't, that can't be God, because I wasn't thinking of it. See, I wasn't trying to think of that. I, w- I wasn't trying to think of that at all, but it, it happened. It happened. Well, that's the way it happens. And today, the, when God permits me, and the only way you can work in those gifts is God permits you to work in them. God permits me to work in those gifts today. Uh, they just happen. And when they happen, they just happen. It's like uh, people get in these lines. I got all of a sudden, I'll, I'll be going to pray for somebody and just pray to God to heal them or give them a miracle, whatever it is they need. And all of a sudden, the Lord God will, the Lord God will begin to uh, let me discern and understand about their lives and be able to tell them things about their lives. Why? Well, that's just the way God does it. But you see, it didn't come through my mind. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.